2: You're listening to the Cobras and Fire Podcast, part of the Dust Geek Podcast Network, featuring special guest from the classic metal show, author Chris Aiken. We get locked in on Judas Priest Turbo, baby. I'd like to welcome to the program author and host of the Classic Metal Show, Chris Aiken. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Judas Priest Turbo today. Chris, welcome to
0: the program. How are you tonight? I have arrived, man. I've, I've hit Cobras and Fire. I stopped <laughs> doing all these other interviews, man. It's all good. Yeah, you were waiting for this one, huh? I'm uh, waiting and waiting. I passed on Rolling Stone. I passed on Eddie Trunk. I passed on everything. Oh, nice. The Cobras and Fire. It's the so, only one I wanted to do. As long as you
2: passed on Trunk, that's all I care about. But,
0: uh, well, the only. The, the best thing I could do with Eddie is just keep listening and keep bringing his clips to my show and then just tearing them apart. So,
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, well, he gets a lot of crap and sometimes for good reason. But uh, yeah, sure. I, I have to admit, I, I check out his show on a pretty regular basis.
0: Dude, I'm a, I'm a subscriber to his podcast, I listen to it every Thursday. I I would never say that he's not a good interviewer. I would never say that I don't enjoy his show. The only thing I would say with Eddie is that he really thinks that he is the reason that metal is still alive. And it's like, dude, come off the mountain a little bit, my friend. You're not. (laughs) You know, that metal show was a good show, but it didn't save metal. And Uh, it hasn't been on in, what, five years now. So move on. It couldn't even save itself. Yeah, I mean, Netflix will sign anything that's ever been a hit or or reboot bad bullshit like one day at a time, but they won't do that <laughs> metal show? Come on. That's a good
2: <laughs> point. Uh, boy, <laughs> I'm going to get Don Jameson on the phone and see if he can chime in on that. Um, <laughs> well, today we're talking about your book. Uh, well, tell me a little bit about it. Uh, you sent me the audio book. Is it an audio only? Just
0: No. Yeah. No, okay. it, there is um, it's it's in every format. It's in um, it's it's called call it's called Cause and Effect Turbo. It is um, and Cause it, and Effect
2: is your series of books, right?
0: Yeah, I, I write a I write a series of books. I'm still writing them. I got a bunch more to do, but um, they're 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 not. I, it's weird to call it a book. I mean, it's not it's not a big thick 300 page thing. It's you know 75 pages or something like that. Okay, it's like it's like a mini book, I guess. But it's um. What it is, is um, I I like to write and I write books that are about music and then I write books that are not about music and I kind of alternate. I go back and forth with them. But the cause and effect books are I've taken a series of um, of albums that I think changed something legitimately for. Just change something legitimately, like Cause and Effect Turbo obviously was a widely divisive record for the Judas Priest fans. Okay, You know, a lot of people jumped off the bandwagon with with Turbo. Uh, I did the Motley Crue 94 album, which some people will tell you is the greatest thing that has the word Motley Crue on it. Some will tell you that's the worst piece of shit ever and should never have been released. And then I did the Black album, which obviously that changed everything from Metallica's fan base to the way rock radio is even programmed anymore, you know, they, they redefined what heavy could be as far as being successful. So, you know, there was a lot that went into that one as well, but that's, that's, that's what this series is about. It's it's never going to be an album where people are universally going to say this rules. Um, The next one that I'm doing is, um, is almost certain to have most people saying this sucks because I'm, I'm, I'm torn between either doing doc and shadow life or Megadeth Risk, and there aren't many fans of either of those records. (laughs) Well, if you're
2: looking for a record that there aren't a lot of fans of, you can try any of the Jesus Chrysler catalog. Uh, That's the band (laughs) I'm in.
0: (laughs) Well, I'll I'll have to to find the the high mark before I can find the low mark,
2: right? Yeah, good luck with that. Um, You know, I'll, I'll tell you this on the Motley Crue 94th thing. My experience has been a little different than what you just described. I basically and I, and I don't mean this as a joke uh, mm-hmm. most people when you mention that record it's either I love it or I have no idea what you're talking about. there doesn't seem <laughs> to be a lot of people that like rejected it It's more I kind of feel the same way about the elder a little bit with kiss right. but but there is there is just more people that didn't ever give it a chance or ever listen to it that than there are people who actually bought it and hated it.
0: Sure. Yeah, they're, and there definitely are. There's, there's a lot of people that if you play a song, even if it's a you know the hit "Hooligans Holiday," they won't know what it is. Sure, they, they'll, they'll be like, "Never heard that before." And it's like, wait a minute, you're the same age as me. How did you not hear this? But <laughs> it happens, Ben. But you know, for me, these books are fun. You know, it's it's. It the, was a fun listen. That's for sure. Well, that's great. <laughs> you know, it's dude, and you know this by putting out a podcast every week. Yeah, you put it out every week and. You really hope people dig it and you, you know, you hope that not too many people come back with, man, what a worthless piece of shit that is. But, you know, so far, the response with this one and all of them has been really good. And um, I'm glad you enjoyed it, man. I'm, I'm really proud of this one. I think it's the best music book I've done so far.
2: I am a big fan of the record. I was at the time. I remember the the commercials like Don't Leave Home Without Your Turbo. Do you know me,
3: lead singer of Judas Priest, idol of millions? Wherever I go in case folks don't know me, I always make sure I carry my turbo. Judas Priest new album, Turbo.
2: Don't wreck home without it. Oh, Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just a big thing for me. I got into Priest, uh, I want to say the Christmas Eighty-five, where um, my stepsister gave me "Defenders of the Faith" and yeah. uh, "Screaming for Vengeance," and that was really my entry point. Uh, and those still kind of remain like my core idea of what this band is. But this album, I mean, I knew they were. I mean, it was kind of weird that both them and uh, Iron Maiden made the the they 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 adapted to the whole synth guitar thing at the same time almost. And they they almost bailed on it just as quickly, and they were the only bands to do it. But this record, I don't know. I just something about it. I still listen to it. Uh, I I listen to it, you know, fairly recently, and, and I think it's pretty strong all the way through.
0: Yeah, I, I've I've never obviously you you heard what I thought. I I really don't understand why there was such hate on it. I, I mean, I don't think it's a perfect record. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's a few songs that I don't especially love. But you know what? It's just a fun record. And for me, I was, what, 17 years old or whatever at the time when it came out. And it was right in my wheelhouse. It was, you know, it was, it, it sort of adapted toward what was going on in 1987, that whole Motley Crew ish yep. type of a vibe. And if you look back at that time, you had Judas Priest mellowing just a little bit and and doing more of a hair metal-ish type of thing. A little a thing. glamier image. Yeah. Yeah, a little. Good, Rob Halford grew his hair out. Right. And wore the red. They all, they're they wearing the red leather instead of the black leather. And, That's right. You know, they, they were doing it. But when you think about other, Ozzy obviously did it with the ultimate sin. He had the big poofed out hair and the, you know, the the outfit that looked like a reject from a striper <laughs> photo shoot. You know, I mean, he, he was doing it. Then you had Van Halen debuting with Sammy Hagar. And that was a whole different, less abrasive Van Halen. Yeah. You know, they're. There was just a lot of bands at that exact moment that were, they saw that success was in that whole image over substance thing and they tried to get on that train a little bit. And not that I think that that Turbo doesn't have substance. I do like it, but... I understand, while I don't agree with people that hate this record.
2: <laughs> I think it's just that it's different, and and you know, like I mentioned in that article I wrote about about the, the five records that kind of get this bad rap. It, they all kind of fall in that thing where it's just like it's it just doesn't fit in your perfect hole of what you know this band is. I like the idea that it did something different. I think it. it I think it's, it's it's an amazing sounding record. One maybe one of Tom Allen's best production work and it opens up with turbo lover and it basically says you're no turning back now. This is not fucking living (laughs) after midnight. I mean, you know,
0: it's (laughs) (laughs) right. And it, and it's, um, and it, it really did define turbo lover, definitely defined what the record was and you know, and it's just so much of a fun record. I mean, more than anything, I mean, yeah, Living After Midnight had its success and whatnot, and and I mean, but for the most part, Judas Priest, and and, and this is me showing that I'm way too old now, but yeah. I remember Judas Priest was like the heaviest shit that most people knew at the time.
4: Yeah, it,
2: yeah,
0: it was like them and Maiden were the, the, the heavier bands, right? Yeah, I mean I mean, people were people were not as familiar with Metallica and Megadeth and Anthrax. That was the stuff that the weirdos that smoked pot and did drugs listen to. You know, for for the rest of us, we thought we were being heavy if we were listening to like Motley Crue and Quiet Riot and AC DC. Yeah, right ar- right around the two year
2: period of this record when it would be when I first heard like uh Metallica. And it was yeah. like it was like it was like really fast punk rock to me i'm like and i i can't understand what they're saying so fast right. i i kind of i'm a big uh, thrash fan now but sure. it took me to the late 80s to really like you know all of a sudden like okay i get it now but so yeah it was to me that was like just really obscure you know you weren't right. gonna seal the deal with a slayer record you were gonna do right. it with fucking turbo baby
0: Exactly or, or but it wasn't even Turbo Lover though that would get if you were you were working on a chick or something, it was stuff like Hot for Love or yeah. Wild Nights, Hot and Crazy Days. You know, they, they like that kinda, you know, poppy anthemic anthemic, you know, raise your fist and yell type of music.
2: Yeah, yeah. They like poison. <laughs>
0: yeah, they ended up liking poison and warrant and slaughter uh, and you know, that second wave that was just kinda ugh, but you know, not not my favorite stuff. That I mean, I listen to that stuff too, but it's definitely not my favorite.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I always thought that, like, I, look, I don't, I don't really. There's some poison songs I I, I can you know guilty, uh, guiltily uh, sure. uh, enjoy. However you want to put it, right? Uh, but the, I always thought that dudes that were really into poison were kind of sad. <laughs> it, it was just, it should be mostly women, It that's okay.
0: Yeah. Poison was you know I, I tell this story all the time. I, I am the biggest the biggest loser when it comes to owning a metal the quote unquote metal card yeah. if, if if there's such a thing, I don't own it because I I listen to everything and and I like everything and you know when I was growing up, see this type of music, this Judas Judas priest and ACDC and motley and stuff, that was my transitional music. For me, I was more interested in banging chicks. So I was always listening to I would listen to this stuff because this was what I liked. But I was also listening to Madonna and the romantics and Billy Squire and Prince. And, you know, all of that was going on at the same time. And I was a big fan of all of it. You know, I I make no bones about it then or now, you know, so it's weird to me that it was weird to me that when this especially turbo started getting popular you know i tell the story in the book that i had i had a girlfriend and i was putting it on i put one of the one of the records on to kind of piss her off to get her to leave me alone and she was like all right this is pretty good and i was like wait a minute you're supposed to hate this because you like the romantics She's like, no, no, this is good. You know, And it's like <laughs> you know, it, it, it really was that kind of it was the time
2: that it was a different time. Right. There was like this clear division between people who liked this kind of music and people who <laughs> like Madonna. You almost yeah. walked on opposite sides of
0: the hall in high school. Oh, yeah. You didn't want dude. even think about it as as sexy as that Madonna look was. And all the girls were doing it with the with the ripped up tops and the you know the see-through tops with just a bra underneath and all that stuff, which was just hot, you did not mingle with those girls if you were if you were in that other side if you were in the other side of the of the musical spectrum, you'd see them in the hall and you'd be like, look at this pathetic shit you yeah. know it was you know, kind of
2: suck too because you're all so horny all the time, and frankly. <laughs> Metal, especially then, and did not really draw the hot girls until no. until like Bon Jovi, maybe if you count them.
0: Dude, I I lost a girlfriend, and this is this is a horrific true story. But I lost a girlfriend because prom fell the same night as Dio and Rat at the <laughs> Richmond Coliseum, and instead of going to prom, I bought tickets and went to Dio because I was like, it's obviously. Dio. It's uh, Dio. And the first metal album I ever owned was Sabbath's Heaven and Hell. That didn't so, work
2: when you were like, "It's Dio."
0: Yeah, and, and I was Get your just head like, out of your ass,
2: you dumb bitch.
0: I know, and, and I literally was like, "Well, you can go," and she was like, "Oh, fuck you," <laughs> <laughs> and out I went. I got you a she- ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I would have, but I was definitely going to Dio. I, there was no two ways about it. <laughs> you know, pussy's one thing, but Dio. Come on,
2: yeah, no, That's... man, fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my uh, big squander plan around that time. I I got my driver's license and bought uh, a ticket to to take a girl to kiss crazy nights, and okay. I ended up just taking a dude because I couldn't get a girl to say yes. So <laughs> uh, uh, there's my sex life in high school summed up. But uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, maybe if it was Dio, I could have. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Kiss, I don't know. Her- what about Dio, bitch? Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like rainbow in the dark.
0: <laughs> if, if, if you'd have had, if you'd had Dio or Ozzy or something like that, maybe you'd had a chance. But Kiss, little too clowny for the girls.
2: Yeah, a little too much. So, but uh, well, let's get back to Turbo a little bit. That is what we're talking about. Uh sure. I, I um, I had a slightly different. Uh, uh, I don't know a social network. I would I would think um, th- my reaction to the record was very similar to yours, the way you describe it in the book. Where I, I embraced it almost immediately. I almost became a bigger Judas Free- Priest uh, Judas Priest fan listening to this. But I didn't really have those friends that were giant Priest fans leading up to this that would go, I shun this record. Everybody right. was they were okay with it. I mean, I don't know.
0: It, it was it was such a weird time, man. And again, I think it goes back to the fact that I was not in that. Like I was not in the metal guys' clique, and I, I, you know, I was just sort of all over the place musically with, with stuff. So for me, if tell I tell the
2: truth, it, you actually uh, pretty much dressed like Billy Squire in the um, <laughs> Rock Me Tonight video, and that kind of that, that killed all your metal cred.
0: I will not lie and say that I did not have the the oranges pink <laughs> pants. I absolutely did at one point.
2: Man, yeah, <laughs> we're, we got to be close to the same age. If you were 17 when this came out, I would have been probably 15. There was definitely like this uh, movement of men wearing fluorescent colors, wasn't there? Oh,
0: yeah. Dude, and parachute pants and, you know, Those I. Those rubber can...
2: bands you, you stick around your wrist, they were black typically. Or... Yeah.
0: And the Michael Jackson jackets—I had all that shit.
2: All <laughs> oh, right, on. Uh, I danced, but I was poor.
0: <laughs> well, I—I I, I, this is even more sad. That that stuff wasn't even gifted. That was stuff that I I had a job working at a church, and, <laughs> and I I would go I would take my little paltry a hundred and twenty dollars a month, and I would go to the clothing store and I would buy the Michael Jackson jacket or the parachute pants or the, whatever the 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 Don Johnson white coat Ooh, or the
2: yeah no socks the,
0: yeah the fedora.
2: You saved a lot you know, of money on socks if you were into the Miami Vice like.
0: Yeah, but you had to have those. You had to have those laceless, um, laceless, um, almost Crocs, whatever those were called.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about loafers <laughs> or something, but
0: uh, yeah, whatever those were, they were like tennis shoe loafers. What the fuck do you do <laughs> at a church for 120 bucks a month? Cut grass and got oh, ready for okay. go, and you know, I did that. Dude, I, I was such a horrible. You don't want to talk about a bad kid? My, I would work that job, and then I would take whatever I didn't spend and i would buy weed and then i would sell the weed in school so i always had like lots of money <laughs> okay. cuz because i would sell the weed but it was so bad i was funding my i was funding my pot selling habit with a church <laughs> seems appropriate yeah well dude not much about my life is appropriate that that is for sure <laughs> <laughs> well you and me
2: both i suppose but uh Uh, Your book was very much about a personal experience and and how it interacted not just, you know, with you personally, but in your life at the time. Um, Kind of an interesting way to approach it. Uh, Did did you dig it all into, like, the making of the record or anything like that?
0: Not a a ton. You know what? I I, I mean, and I don't. I, I did more on this one than I did on the other two. But I I try not to really do that because that's that stuff has pretty much been done and documented everywhere. I mean, dude. I, I mean, honestly, if you want to know everything you need to know about the recording of Turbo, there's a there's a full chapter in KK Downing's book dedicated to it, where they're in the Bahamas and yeah. they're you know, and he's talking about that he wouldn't stay in the studio because he was running around chasing chicks at the bar and whatever. And, and and I mean, I always find that that stuff is is out there and it's available. And, you know, for me, I try to, I try, I'm a pretty good storyteller Yeah. and I just try to tell stories that, that like, you you may not have the same stories that I do, but it makes you remember that time if you were if you were of age at that time. And, you know, I, I think, I mean, you heard my book and, and what did you do? You're, you're immediately telling me stories about, well, you know, you did this and you listened to that and you were, you know, it took you back to that time.
2: Absolutely.
0: And, and that's kind of, you know, all I hear out of that is mission accomplished because that means that I told my stories well enough to, to make you want to revisit a time that was obviously a fun time for you as well. Musically, it was. I'll be
2: honest. I mean, uh, it wasn't a great time at home for me. Uh, sure. My 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 dad was in his second marriage, and it was kind of a, sh- a shitty existence. I've covered it on the podcast, so I'm not going to go back to that. But stuff like this made me happy. Going to school and getting away from that garbage made me happy. And I, I think a lot of times I was allowed to, to escape into music because it was just easier for the, the step-parent. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You know, and rather than she actually approved of any of this shit because she tried to control it at certain points. But I, this, I, actually, that's a great segue into parental guidance because you talked about that. Yeah, a little bit, and I'm going to tell you, to this day, I still hold. I thought it was a stupid song at the time, and right. I still think it's stupid. And I, I, I no shame. Enjoy every minute, uh, but I, I thought when you read the lyrics, you didn't do it justice because you're like, no, 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 no. You gotta, you gotta sell it, Chris. You gotta, <laughs> no, no, no. You know what I mean? It's like it's, <laughs> it's a fun, stupid song. Yeah, for Judas Priest, maybe a little embarrassing, but I don't.
0: And, and they obviously don't care either. That's that's the that's the funniest part about it is that if you bring that, and I've interviewed, I think everybody that everybody but Holland that that recorded Holland okay. recorded that record, right? Uh, I just
2: double check here. I got it right in front of me. But yeah, Dave Holland.
0: Yeah, so he's the only guy that I have not spoken to on uh, that that was you know one of the one of the key guys on the record.
2: Now, did, and, is he the one that got caught up in all that nasty shit too?
0: Yeah, he was the he was the child molester guy, yeah. like the Down syndrome kid okay. rapist or something. Yeah, <laughs> something horrible. But yeah, um, not good. No, not at all. But I, I mean, I've talked to all of the other guys about Turbo, and every one of them will tell you that they that they hold it dear to themselves. Halford will tell you it's a tough time for him. But the other the other three, you know, KK and, and Glenn and Ian, they will absolutely tell you for the time that they were in, they they love it and they they have no regrets to it. Let's talk a little
2: bit about that Halford thing, because that was one revelation from your book that I was not aware of. And that uh, his lover at the time, or partner, however you want to put it, uh, yeah. it was a different era. So you weren't getting married if you were gay, uh, right. but
0: had committed suicide in front of him right in front that's the story i've heard now i've i i do not have that story from rob himself i did ask him about it once and he refused to talk about it but um i've heard from people very very close to the band that 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 is what happened was that there was a i don't know an argument or a breakup or something and um the dude lost it and, and put halford into just a hellacious tailspin which i mean it's not a secret rob has been very vocal about his drug and alcohol abuse and yeah. that's that's when it hit its peak was was during during the turbo era and it, and it, it once i heard that i didn't hear that you know at the time i heard it later but when you listen to the record and then you you know you're just rocking along the first four or five songs are just you know fun and then all of a sudden out in the cold comes on And it's like whoa where did that come from that's like as out out of left field as it could be but then it makes sense it's the personal song that rob did on the record it's an amazing tune i, I but I, I don't know that
2: i would say it comes out of let, left field at least from my perspective i like when records have color and shape and, sure. and like and they're kind of lined up in a way that like the per, like as they sequenced it they were like, this is kind of purposeful for the listener to hear this as they're flipping the cassette or the vinyl over, you know, or the midway point of the CD, which would come later. But, uh, I, you know, just that kind of I, I really get in, into albums in that sense, especially if I like a record. I kind of like to to hear it, how it was like, you know, conceived in the artist's mind and how they want you to hear it.
0: Sure. Yeah, and and you know the weird thing about it is, is that you know people always assume that it's the way the artists want you to hear it. Yeah. I know on this record it is, but I can tell you for an absolute fact, as somebody that has sequenced a record for a um, for a fa- for a yeah. famous band, you know that sometimes the artist just says, "I don't know what to do with this. You do it." You know that, and sometimes that's- the
2: record company says, "No dice." and well, dude, like, look at music I, I, from the elder from kiss i mean that that yeah. that re makes no sense on a concept <laughs> record and um, that was all because they didn't want to scare people it was like i was like it's too late you already did dynasty but
0: well dude when when Daken did um i think it was uh it was the one with um recently that when they did um what is that record called uh lightning strikes again okay Uh, I, I, I was Don's web guy for years and, and Neely, who I do classic metal show with was, is Don's personal friend. We met up with him in Cleveland and Don, Don was like, here, you guys, you guys figure this out and put (laughs) the songs in order, put it in the order that you think would would make sense. So he didn't, you know, sometimes the artists don't have any clue at all. And literally Neely and I sat down one night, you know. And just played song after song and argued back and forth where songs should fit. And the 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 tracking that you got on that record was exactly what we gave him. So he probably just took the took the list we gave him and said, "Okay, you guys know, right good."
2: On. <laughs> so you know, I, I got to guess that uh, when you've been in the game as long as he has, at mm-hmm. a certain point, certain things, certain little nuances like that, especially with the change in how we record music. It probably seems a lot less obvious. It's like, oh my god, I'm just, I, 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 I'm you, you're almost at your wits end. So it was probably you. You were very helpful in that situation.
0: Yeah, well, you know, and, and a big part of it is too is some artists. I, I and and you know this, man, because you're an artist yourself. Some guys get too, they get too close to their to their stuff where they can't be objective. Yeah, where 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 the other side of that is. Some guys don't feel close enough unless they put their finger on every single little piece, and you know, it works differently for, for some artists. I, mm-hmm. I think a band like Dokken that's been around 35 years, I think th- these days he's just happy to croak <laughs> out of something that sounds like Dokken.
2: you know, he's just happy to make it on stage. Yeah. Uh, boy, I. Yeah, I'll tell you. To to what you're speaking, I think it's always good when you get kind of look comfortable to shake things up, and, and yeah. in a situation like whether it's sequencing a record, bring someone that you would never bring in and make them do it, and mm-hmm. then just see what just to get you thinking differently. Even if you end up going back to what you did, at least you right. just got a, a fresh, almost kind of like a reset everything, you know. Because like I said, when you're recording and you get into it and you dig into a project. And and, you, and you're you doing it, it's kind of, you kind of get this, this is going to be the first song, this is going to be the second song, this is going to be the last song, we're going to, you know, but it's good to hear a different voice sometimes, but.
0: Right, and, and what sounds right to you, a lot of times only sounds right to you because that's yes. the order that you wrote things Exactly,
2: in. you had it stuck in your head for so long.
0: Yeah, uh, that, and, that was always the fourth track because that's the song that you worked <laughs> in a uh, week three for two two weeks or whatever. What did you, know, you
2: think about them touring and open without in the cold? I liked it. It's not your typical barn burner to blast out of the gate with, but I thought it was kind of a I don't know, for anybody who hasn't seen Priest Live, that was the live album that uh, followed up with this. a video is out there. I thought it was cool.
0: I thought it was cool too. And and I I, I did catch that tour and it was a it was a great tour. And and yeah, opening without in the cold definitely was a different, you know, I, I was a different message that Judas priest was sending Yeah, just instead of, I mean, I, I believe on the previous tour, they had opened with free will burning, you know, for the (laughs) previous, you know, and, and boy, to go from free will burning to out in the cold as your opener. Wow. That's a, that's a major shift in, um, in energy, you know, at the start of a show to say the least. Well, let me ask you this cause you're definitely
2: Someone who who critiques and breaks these things and and has the passionate connection to it that I would I would I would think I can at least you know be somewhat on par with. Sure. Does it, does it seem like people who don't get into it quite as much are less acceptance of change? Because to me, that kind of stuff kind of excites me when they do something kind of out of the box and it's good.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, dude. And I'm sure you have this with your fans that listen to listen to CNF, man you get people that are always asking for the next new thing. What's the new thing? What sounds good? What's cool? And then, but the bulk of the people that you run into, and I I won't say you, but I will say that I run into doing the classic metal show are people that do not believe that there was anything good recorded after 1989, (laughs) you know, and and it makes me fucking nuts. You know, it it makes me crazy when I'll, you know, people ask, because people ask all the time, Well, what's good? What's new? You know, what's something that you're into or whatever? And I'll, you know, like you had said earlier, I think it was when we were doing this might have been when we were prepping, but you're a thrash guy. I'm a huge thrash guy. That's my number one thing is I love thrash and it can be the softer stuff. What I call the softer stuff, which would be like testament or whatever, or it could be the, you know, waste or slayer or, you know, what, you know, havoc or whatever, And, you know, people ask me about bands and I always throw out thrash bands and I always throw out newer bands like a Havoc or a Warbringer or, uh, you know, Blood for Blood or, you know, stuff like that. You know, that are not necessarily new, new, but are last 10 years new, I guess. And I will throw stuff out to people and they'll listen to it. And I'll know that it, I know that it works for them because I'll know them enough to know that they own three or four Exodus records as an example and I'll say, okay, well, if you like Exodus, try Lazarus AD. And they'll listen to, like, two seconds of it, and they'll hit me back, and they'll like, oh, that fucking sucks, dude. And I was like, oh, yeah, what song? And they will always throw me back the first song on the record. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you didn't listen to it. You gave it a minute. Oh, you man. Know, wake up. Give, give there's I, I get really annoyed when I hear people with the whole rock is dead and metal is dead and there's nothing good that's new and you know, nostalgia and you nobody know, every- buys more music.
2: Oh, I think we're going on twenty nine years in a row now.
0: Yeah. Uh, but what it drives me create even even bands that are that are old, that are putting out new music and the fan, and people that call themselves fans of the bands will say, Ah, it's just garbage. I'm not it's not as good as Jews Priest, prime example. Judas Priest put out a killer record last year with Firepower. Yep. Maybe not best ever, but it's a damn good record. Anybody that says that that's not a good record was never a fan of Judas Priest. And, and, I, and I have plenty of people around me that'll say, eh, you know, not, not, not the same, not as good. No, I had no.
2: to I had to give it a couple cracks before I started realizing that it was better than I thought on first listen. Um, I still put it you know probably a, a, a mid grade and their whole uh, mm-hmm. spectrum. You may not know, but people who listen to the show know. I I and I've already dropped the damn record's name twice. so This is kind of stupid. I really enjoy music from the elder from Kiss, but if okay. I was ranking my Kiss records, I mean it's not that high. Yeah, you know. But the thing yeah. is, I like all of them. Except for a couple. But, you know, and this Priest record kind of feels like that, like the Firepower deal. Is that like, I may not put it real high on the list, but it's a good record.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude, every every band that's been around 35 years has a dog in their collection. Every single one of them. You know, I mean... This isn't a dog. No. I mean, I, no, I know see, what you're saying. It, yeah, but but I mean, these these non-accepting fans, they will put anything that came out after Painkiller as as a dog. It's like, wait a minute... There's been a lot of good music, and you know it's it's not eye to eye by the Scorpions. Bad for God's sakes! It's you know, <laughs> it's 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 solid. Yeah. You know, even if you don't think it's the best, even if you think it's middle of the catalog, what well, Judas Priest is like the highest of the highs. So the middle of their catalog, you should still respect as a pretty damn good record.
2: Well, what's the best song to uh, get a girl in the mood on Turbo?
0: On Turbo? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, um, Jesus, maybe private property just because you'd be like trying to like get your hands on her tits anyway and give her the funny little, give her the little funny spot, you know, right when you're grabbing for a tit to fucking say, get your hands off, you know, that game a little bit what's yes.
2: the bet what's the best song for self-love to listen to on this record <laughs> oh wow <laughs> um private property
1: i was
0: gonna say same
2: <laughs> locked in i don't know
0: yeah <laughs> uh, we're, we're
2: huge uh, proponents of self-love on this show um <laughs>
0: Dude, we talk on the classic metal show. We have had a hundred hours of my absolute appreciation of jerking off to porn, and how I can't wait for sex doll brothels to be brought in as a as a legalized thing everywhere. Oh, God, <laughs> I'm, I'm
2: all about. I'm pretty stuff. sure that's on the agenda of, of Nancy Pelosi right now.
0: Well, she looks like a sex doll and ugly one, but just you know, all frozen-faced and stuff. <laughs>
2: uh, and there is your political segment on cobras and fire. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, we don't do a lot of politics. If we do, it's the quick one hitters. But uh, right. Uh, well, it, well, fair enough. What do you think? What's your what's your uh, fondest track off this? If you go the one go-to song, where do you go?
0: I usually go to Parental Guidance just because it's uh You know, I I, do still dig it. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, 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 truthfully, I mean, two, three, four are my are my tunes that I play pretty regularly on it. Locked in, private property, parental guidance. You know, I, I, I always end up with those three, and then, dude, they're just silly songs. I know they're not the best songs, but you know, they're they're definitely. If you can listen to those three songs and not headbang once, then you never were a metalhead in the first place. I don't care if you love this record or hate it. Those are decent rhythmic rock tunes.
2: I got erect when they played Turbo Lover on the Firepower Tour here.
0: <laughs> it's a good tune, man. It's it's a fun the only the only negative that I have about Turbo Lover was that the video was so ungodly bad. But for
2: the time you think though? Oh, I thought it was kind of
0: cool. Dude, it was like a bad it was like they they watched Terminator. And we're like, okay, we're going to do this, but we only have like one one millionth the budget. Well, of course. So what we're going to do is have this fat girl run back and forth after a tire that we're going to roll down the street. And they did the same stupid scene. They rolled it one way, then they rolled it another way, and the girl was (laughs) running back and forth after the tire. It was just... but, But to be fair, Judas Priest is one of those bands that never really figured out the video thing. I mean, if you look at... Look at freewheel burning. What is that? They they took a pole position machine and shot lasers out of it, and had Rob Halford stand on top of it singing. Yeah, it, terrible. You know they they were never a good video band, but they tried. They you know a, a
2: lot of bands suffer from that. We did a a a month-long series on Black Sabbath for Halloween and oh, yeah. we talked about like I mean all how first of all they, they got into the video game late obviously with them being more mm-hmm. of a 70s band but their videos are just horrendous.
0: Dude dude I'm friends with the guys but I'm the first one to say it Dokken. Dokken's videos every one of them sucks. There's uh, not a good one in the bunch. Let me think here. Hold on. Uh, I think the Hunter was a decent video.
2: Again, I'm thinking of things at the time that people like didn't kind of like just think was uh, nothing ages well from that era when it comes yeah. to music videos. But oh yeah, um, it's not Lava that was a cool video, just in the back of a truck. Uh, the truck.
0: That's that to me is probably the closest to good. The Hunter, if I'm not mistaken, with the Hunter, that's the one where they shot near the graveyard because yes. they weren't because they weren't allowed. In the graveyard. Yeah, but you can't
2: tell unless you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, but but it's like okay, if you're if you're dropping a million dollars on a video, as they were at that time, you know what? Find a graveyard that says yes. Don't cheap out by I... saying, "Oh well, we'll film close to it." What is that?
2: Fair enough. I would actually say make a make your own graveyard. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a re- The reason that they weren't allowed to do it is like, dude. People are like buried here. This is sacred yeah. to the people who paid to have this done. No, I yeah. get that, but uh, yeah, you're right. What What about breaking the chains? Still a classic video. video.
0: Oh no, it's not. Dude, when, go- when George Lynch
2: lay, like uh, does the force lightning out of his guitar and breaks uh, all the
0: chains. <laughs> playing the chains, playing the chain chain riddled guitar that has chains oh, instead of guitar God. strings is terrible, and just the bad, bad, awful explosions of the chains as they come off of the, whatever they're chained to is just terrible. And you can't say that it was the time because Michael Jackson did thriller in the same year. So yeah, he might've
2: had a, and it didn't. Yeah. But he did thriller with the guy who, uh, um, directed and shot, uh, 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 what was that werewolf in London?
0: Yeah. Yeah. He did. I mean, yeah. Michael Jackson had more money, but sadly, Breaking the Chains back in those days when they didn't have any format to MTV, yeah, you see it go from Thriller to Breaking the Chains, and you would be like, Jesus, who are these poor paupers?
2: Yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, what about oh, what a, into the fire where George Lynch is playing on top of a volcano?
0: Yeah, that, yes. that's quality. that's quality. It's a, it's not obvious that he's standing on a you know a stage with a really bad screen behind him. No, he told the story like it's literally like a volcano. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> okay, I, <laughs> I, I guess I'm just a big sucker who bought the docking VHS it, in 1980. Whatever.
0: May, maybe it's true, but I think that's a little bit of a <laughs> a little bit of revisionist history on that. Oh,
2: I think I've, maybe there's two shots we're thinking of. There is like an overhead shot. But the close-up yeah. where he's doing the guitar solo, yeah, he's not hes not on the fucking volcano. <laughs> Too funny. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll, well, maybe I'll share that video as kind of a teaser for this. Uh, there you go. Oh, my Lord. So back to Turbo. Uh, any other, shot uh, uh, I don't know, memories or thoughts you want to share on the thing? Um, we didn't really do a track-by-track, track, which, I don't know, we don't need to. Uh, yeah. I agree with you. I actually start with Turbo Lover. Probably my favorite song, but the first four. Are, mm-hmm. are are the the uh, the big ones? From there, oh well, out in the cold, of course. But other than that, it's a little weak. I mean, yeah. for the record, "Wild Nights, Hot and Crazy Days" is kind of silly.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it's a it's a good record to me. It's a good record. Is it great? No. Is it the best ever? No. You know, but it, but it's a solid listen. And and I mean, to me, even thirty five years later. It's no more dated to me now than it was when it came out. No, it's you know? a
2: great sounding record.
0: Yeah, and, and I like I like everything that's on it. The only the only thing that I found to be odd was I talked to KK about the tune Reckless. And oh, I know where you're
2: going with this. Yeah, I actually have a, a question for you, but go ahead.
0: Yeah, well, and he just, I don't want to say he lied, but... I'll I'll say he used very <laughs> revision, revisionist history with his story about that this was supposed to be used in Top Gun and and but they didn't think it was going to be successful because they didn't know who Tom Cruise was and it's like come on
2: now what do you, which part do you think is a lie that it was going to they were offered the movie or that he didn't know who Tom Cruise was
0: that he didn't know who Tom Cruise
2: was. Yeah. My wife happened to be in the car at that point in the book and she uh does not agree with you. I do. Uh but she was like, Hey look, they're out touring. They don't know who Tom Cruise is. He, he Yeah, he was big enough at this time. Yeah,
0: I'm with you. Yeah, I he had two he had two major, major number one movies in the in the two to three years right before if it. If you could
2: name 15 actors of the time, he would be yeah, one you could name, yeah. He's
0: one of the top three. And I mean, if you think back to that time, he had right before when this, because this would have been asked for probably in, what, 2005 or early 2006. The two right. movies they did before that would have been, um, what, uh, Risky Business, which was gigantic. Yep. And and um, Taps, which was gigantic. Yeah, and he had some
2: bit roles, but he was he, like like he was in the outsiders too at the time. Yeah. Um but that was really wasn't a a Tom Cruise movie. He was pretty small in that. Uh he he's small in real life, people. Boom. Uh, but no, I I'm actually with you. My question for you on this was yeah. do you think it really would have been any goddamn different for them as a band. If this would have been in the Top Gun soundtrack, because it's not like danger zone would have been shoved aside and reckless would have replaced it.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I I can't imagine it, but at the same time, you know, it kind of goes back to what I said in the book about in that exact time period. And again, we're looking at a little window of time, not just the, the record itself. Soundtracks were huge yep. in, break, in breaking bands. Oh, and you made
2: a couple great examples. Vision Quest. I mean, I couldn't believe when I first saw that movie. Like years after I heard about that soundtrack, and Damn. I'm like, "What a fucking piece of shit movie! Why right. was this soundtrack so big?" Because yeah. all the songs were on it. You know, you didn't
0: even mention Dio was on that fucking thing. Dio and wasn't Sammy Hagar was on there too? Wasn't oh, he? Oh yeah, that's right. You know, I mean, there were there were like. F- Three or four huge songs. And of course, Crazy for You was gigantic. That was the big song that, you know, took Madonna to the next level. And, and you also had John Waite, his first big single from Once He Left the Babies with Change was a big song, you know. So I thought that was a baby song. No, that is a, that's John Waite's pre or post babies debut was on that soundtrack with, with Change. And after, after that is when he, left the babies for good and said, well, well, I could do that, you know, and I only know this because I am the baby's webmaster. <laughs> oh, are you really? Yeah, I am. I, okay. I do their social media and their web and stuff. So.
2: Did you know that Ace Frehley claims he asked uh, John Waite to be the singer for Frehley's Comet? I did not know that. Yeah. that, would have,
0: that uh, would have John been said tre- no. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that would have been an interesting six months because those two egos could have never got along.
2: Oh no shit. Nope. Uh I guess I don't know much about John Waite, uh but I if I would if I'm like John Waite, I'm like uh yeah not not a chance. Uh
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I
2: can't find a certification on this. Uh I'm looking online but that thing had to do a couple million.
0: What's that uh the, the, the soundtrack Vision
2: for Vision Quest? Quest, yeah.
0: Oh yeah, it, it was dude, I I I know I bought it twice. I had it once as a cassette and I had it once as an album.
2: You know, it, it,
0: it, I know it, it. It was huge. Cause Crazy for You was like every thirty minutes on MTV.
2: Fucking, you know, that, that Red Rider tune, Lunatic Fringe. Yeah, that was on that, there too. How huge is that fucking song? And that nobody knows who that band is. And mm-hmm. it's it. That is the first place it appeared, and that's yeah. all they are is just you know
0: Lunatic Fringe. Yeah.
2: Oh, my God. And they,
0: and they never did anything after it that I'm aware of.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not even sure they had a record. That It almost seems like a fake group made for a movie <laughs> about a band, like a movie about a band that's not, not real, you know.
0: The original Millie Vanilli.
2: Yeah, there we go. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, so I don't think Reckless, had it been included on Top Gun, would have made that much of a difference, because I don't think people, while it, it does expose you, if the if the soundtrack is is a hit, that's great. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it really would help them as far as like, well, Top Gun. Because I don't. I mean, I guess that that soundtrack did okay. But it's really just a one song soundtrack, isn't it? Just the Danger Zone thing by Kenny Loggins. Now,
0: there was a couple of songs off of that one. There was the was Bonnie Tyler or something.
2: Well, they got a lot of traction off the Johnny Be Good, as bad as that was.
0: And yeah, but but again, that one the. the the Johnny B. Good, the reason that didn't do, they got traction. I mean, that's probably a good example. They got some traction off that shit song because it's terrible. I hate that.
2: Their version, you're saying?
0: Their version. The Judas Priest version yeah. is just awful.
2: Yep, that's but,
0: um But it was go a bad go. movie. You know, if it was a big movie, they might have done better with it.
2: Early appearance by Uma Thurman. Uh, some later spank material. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the Yeah, okay. <laughs> the, the Top, Top Gun did have some Top Gun had some hits on it too. Well, let's hear it. You know, it had um it had Danger Zone, it had Take My Breath Away by Berlin, remember that one? Yeah, but wasn't that a hit before that? I don't think so. I think hmm. that's where that one came okay. from. It had, It had Heaven in Your Eyes by Loverboy, which I think was everybody's um their um prom song of that year. <laughs> Probably. Uh, so it had a couple. I mean, uh, the rest of this looks like it's crap. Playing with the boys, Kenny Loggins. Yeah, playing. playing with the boys. Yeah, That's we know why. Another
2: song about jerking off. I'm moving it forward.
0: So, yeah, it had a few hits. I mean, not, not a ton, but it had some.
2: Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, I, th- I'm just saying KK kind of talks about it like, what a missed opportunity we would have turned into yeah. Bon Jovi. I don't know that it would have made a huge difference anyway, because I do think they got some serious positive push at the time with mm-hmm. Johnny B. Good. They got a lot of MTV play with it, and it they was did. kind of a precursor for, and you get into this in the book, uh, a precursor for Ram It Down now at, at only because because I your description of Ram it down was exactly how I felt about it at the time um but but only recently when I talked to KK just a few months back when he was doing the whole book publicity uh, sure. that I he something he said made me think maybe I want to check this out and I went back and listened to it again and you know what it's not as bad as I thought it was it's a it's a slightly better record than I recall but
0: yeah it's still well, it's not as good as firepower. <laughs> <laughs> it's to it's it, you have softened with age, man, because geez, oh, man, I cannot listen to it. It's just there's a couple of tunes that are OK, but or three, maybe four. But, oh, it is such a tough listen. You know, it's just it's it's songs that weren't good enough to be on turbo. And it didn't that, feel lazy. Yeah, it just ugh. And it but, still does. Yeah, I don't. I I to me other <clears throat> other than Nostradamus, it is the worst thing in their catalog. I mean, Nostradamus sets its own bar for low in my book. But as we far as we should almost albums, do a
2: side episode on that because I I don't even know what the fuck to, to talk about there,
0: dude. It's so bad. It really is. Even, and, and even trying, it was a bad
2: know, idea. It's like at, at no point did anybody push pause and go, "What the fuck are we doing?"
0: Dude, I, I, I don't know this to be true. This is a 100% speculation. Okay. But I honestly think that Nostradamus came about as a, as a contractual agreement for Halford to come back to the band. Because oh, so it was like a passion
2: project for him.
0: Yep, because he was off. If you think about when he was away. <clears throat> he did he did some stuff that was kind of weird yeah you know two and even some of the fight stuff, even though I love that stuff and it's heavy was different than priest yep and he started doing priest stuff again that sounded very Judas priesty crucible and the first one and I think Judas priest saw that he was grabbing the attention that was not going to the ripper band. And they brought him back, but and you know they talked to him about coming back, but he he said, well, only if I can do my other stuff as well. And I think they agreed to it because I don't know anybody that. Well, I know one guy that loves that record. It's that guy Jim that listened to it, and you probably saw him in the news ten years ago that listened to it like six hundred straight days (laughs) because he's a fan of our show, and he still swears by that record, but. I, I, God dude,
2: damn it, Jim! Now I'm going to listen to it again because you just told uh, me that fucking
0: story. You won't, you won't, you won't make it through it. I doubt it. I haven't you'll, yet. Uh, <laughs> you'll get to war and plague or something like that, and you'll be like, "What the fuck am I doing listening to this?"
2: I <laughs> couldn't get KK to say a negative thing about that record.
0: Well, the, dude, what do they say negative about though? Those guys, I I am stunned that KK said as much negative about the guys as he does. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Because if you think about the history of Judas Priest, up until KK's book came out, I never heard anybody say a bad word about anything.
2: No, they all got along.
0: Well, even when they didn't, they weren't getting along with Halford for 10 years. But I never saw those guys saying, Halford sucks or fuck him, you know, or nothing. They they always took the, the high road and just were like, well, Rob's doing his thing and we've got our guy. And, you know, they never took shots at each other. And I know I interviewed Halford during that period five or six times, and he never, ever would take a shot. Not that I was asking him to, but, you know, he never said anything like, well, you know, I'm glad I'm not with Judas Priest anymore because I have this much freedom or, yeah, you know. I'm out of my own little prison or whatever.
2: Not not even the typical shit, you know, you know, like John Bon Jovi, when he released a Bon Jovi record as John Bon Jovi and and acted like, this is why I left the band. Why? So you can sound exactly like you already do. And uh, (laughs) I'm so sick of the the, the ropes are holding me back. Here's blaze of glory.
0: Right, that might as well have been written by exactly. the other guys.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, no, yeah, you're right. He, there was never really that kind of stuff going on. Because that's the more typical crap. Like, I just needed to get out and do my own thing. and Yeah. Um, I thought fight was kind of an extension of painkiller anyway.
0: Yeah, kind of. It was, it was definitely much heavier. But I, I just think that the only way they were going to get Rob back was to do some stuff that they wouldn't normally do. Well, and, that's
2: uh, that's a fairly interesting unsubstantiated yes, uh, type and, of uh, I
0: don't know conspiracy, well, it, it, and it's and again I'm saying I'm not I have no knowledge that that's true at all. It's it's a hundred percent rumor that I invented in my own head <laughs> when, when I heard Loch Ness on Angel of Retribution to end the record. Which, if you take that song and then bleed it into Nostradamus, you're into a whole... That song almost fits on Nostradamus. You son of a bitch. You know, and you, you when you start putting it together that way, you're like, well... All right. I, I, Someone wanted to do that. Cobras
2: of Fire is officially going forward with it as fact. that That is what <laughs> co- pulled uh, Judas Priest back together. We have unsubstantiated uh, rumor to back us up.
0: Well, I, I wrote a book on Judas Priest. That should make me the authority, right? It fucking A, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you talked
2: about, like, playing it for your army buddies. Uh, oh, that was Ram It Down. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And they hated it. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I like how you said because I have done the exact same. I, I've done something similar, I should say. Uh, like I like. There's so many records that like people talk about liking a lot, and then like I'm like, nope, nope, and then like fucking, hell, I'll hear one more person say, "I'm going to go listen to it again." And yeah. it, like r- the first Riot record, Fire Down Under. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've been dragged back to that thing. I think it's a pile of shit. It's boring <laughs> as fuck. But uh, uh, fucking A, Decibel Geek just talked about it on their 1981 episode. And I'm like, fuck, I got to go listen to it again. Yeah. And now it, I have to listen to Nostradamus again because of
0: that guy <laughs> you mentioned. And oh, it's funny. <laughs> it does happen, though, man. It's weird with Riot. I actually like that record. Yeah, a lot of people do. What the hell am I missing? Every, I, I don't know. Because, dude, if you took that record out of their catalog, though, I'm kind of with you. I can't. I can't even name another song.
2: Yeah, it's you take that record out and it's all just awesome album covers with no music, yeah,
0: with just <laughs> just static. You know, I, I've never been a huge Riot fan either, but I do. I do like that record. But it, it's weird too with that record because you not only do people like that record, but you will see critics that will list that record as yeah. it's the greatest American metal album of all time, wow. and it's all right, pull back a little bit, you know, yeah. just, you know, it's, it, it's, it's okay. It's not the greatest by American artist in the history of metal. I think bands like Megadeth and Metallica and Pantera and, uh, I don't know, probably a zillion more probably come to mind.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a term we call perfectly rated. We find riot perfectly rated. <laughs> nice. mm-hmm. They've been remembered exactly as they should be. Uh, at, by the way, it's it's a broad term. It, I think Van Halen is also perfectly rated. A very really? successful band that they're basically remembered as a great party band that a lot of fucking people like. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much who Van Halen is.
0: Yeah, uh, it, 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 I will. I will admit it nauseates me when I hear people singing Van Halen as the greatest thing ever. It's like ugh, let's just stop.
3: All Especially right. well, when they do I,
0: it now too. When they do it now and they're, you know, talking about the awful shows that David Lee Roth does yeah. these days and, and they're like, oh, it's still good. You just don't understand. Dave likes to be self indulged Shut up. He stinks. <laughs> oh, That's what man. he does. He
2: stinks. You need to start talking to different people because I don't hear that. I, I hear people that tolerate shit. Right, okay. You know, yeah. I don't I don't get a lot of people well, again, maybe it's just I'm running in the wrong circle. I just don't get a lot of blowback from clear Shit, yeah, David LaRoth hasn't been able to sing for a while. He can be, he right. can probably pull it off in the studio. I thought that last record was okay, but uh yeah. as far as his performance, he sounded all right. I no. was actually surprised he sounded as good as he did.
0: I went and saw him on um we we drove to Wisconsin, which was like an eight hour drive to From see Cleveland? From Cleveland, all yeah. Right. Well we we went um it was it was the show was Dawkins, Rat, Jackal, and Van Halen and we had we had uh, a unique opportunity because of docking to have all access okay. all day so we so we went because we wanted to you know see if we could get up close and meet van halen so we you know which we did Which was which? It was a unique opportunity, and it was one of the few times that I was ever willing. Let me just stop
2: you. Was Gary Sharon as awesome as he seems?
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it was. It was on the last. It was on the last tour. Wait, Doc and
2: played with Van Halen at some point on the last tour. Yeah, on the on the different kind of Truth or whatever that record's called on that record. Like one show, right? This was not. Yeah, just one show. Just one show.
0: But but so we go and. And we we stayed all day long, and we partied. I mean, I, we partied really hard. And by the time, Wait, Halen- how hard did you
2: party? Was Andrew WK there by the end of the night?
0: <laughs> you know, he should have been. Dude, it <laughs> was we. The the funny story we have out of that is that J- this was when Jesse James Dupree from Jackal was hocking that god-awful whiskey that he does he still does so what f- do
2: you mean when he's like currently well, doing that?
0: current well, th- <laughs> this was before it was on the market okay and he, he had bottles of it It was just white labeled bottles it was his whiskey okay. <laughs> you know and we were all it was it was me um two of my friends uh carlos cavazzo warren Martini, don Dokken, and john levin sitting at a table eating lunch in a tent And Jesse James Dupree comes into the tent and he's like, yeah, you know, (laughs) Jesse James Dupree. And he's like, y'all got to take a pull of my whiskey. You got to see what it's all about. So every one of us takes a pull of this shit and it is like drinking bleach. It is just wretched bad. And I'm a whiskey drinker. So, you know, it's not that it was like. Wow, it was too strong, or I'm not whiskey. You know, I'm, I don't drink whiskey. <laughs> or whatever. This stuff, this stuff tasted like you could clean a, you know, clean out a, a, ruptured colon with it or something. It was just awful. And and but one of our one of my one buddy that was with us, he just wanted the free booze, so he's like, "This is great, this is awesome." Je- you know, he's all starstruck and whatever. Yeah. So Jesse gives him the bottle. And he drinks this entire bottle. So fast forward like two hours and he's all fucked up now. And the Van Halen bus pulls up and fucking he is the biggest Van Halen fan, Eddie Van Halen fan ever. And Eddie just gets out of the bus and, is, you know, he's walking around backstage. And, and you know, even it, it, it's funny with, with Van Halen. He's probably the the biggest star that I've ever been backstage with, I guess. Okay. I mean, I I've, I've been backstage with Metallica and Ozzy or whatever, but there's a different aura. I don't know how else to even explain it, other than there's an. Aura. I get
2: what you're saying. I know exactly it, it, what you're saying.
0: So when Eddie comes out the bus, even all these guys that are from LA and know Eddie and grew up with Eddie, all at the same time on the strip, they're all walking up. Hey, hey, Eddie, how are you? Can we take a picture? Can, you know, all these guys that grew up together on the strip are taking pictures with Eddie Van Halen. So, my friend John, he goes up and he's crying because he's drunk and Eddie Van Halen's his favorite musician, he's like, oh, Mr. Van Halen. <laughs> it's just so embarrassing and we just kind of turned and walked away just out of sheer shame.
2: Hung head in shame.
0: It was like, yeah, we don't know uh, that guy.
2: Anything else to talk about? Where can we get the damn book? Uh, I I can send the it books, to everybody if you want.
0: Go ahead. You know what? <laughs> I don't do these for money. I mean, uh, you know what? I, I've done really well with the books. And the books, you know, I have five books in and I've I've sold. Do you self-publish or how does this work? Yeah, I do the self-publish. You know what? I For the first one that I did, Little Victories, I had a deal with a pretty major company. And I won't say who because I don't think I'm allowed to. Okay. But um, I, I had a deal. They gave me even a... a a bonus like a a check in an advance and I had to give it back because I was completely stubborn about not being willing to change words and phrasing and stories and no okay cover art and everything you know I'm 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 a prick when it comes to something that has my own name on it so I went the self-publishing route and because of the classic metal show which has you know really decent decent fan base you know they buy a lot of these books they've each each of the books except Judas Priest so far has sold um over 2,000 copies oh cool and Judas Priest which has only been out since uh Black Friday just passed a thousand over the Christmas holidays so you're gonna do you know, it so uh, you know I'm I'm 10,000 books sold and and I've done it completely myself so I'm a big big believer in uh in the self-publishing. I mean, you got to know a little bit about graphic design and art and stuff, which I guess it helps that one of my businesses is that I run an IT company. Okay. But, uh, you know, that I, I, do it that way and it, and it works real well that way. So, but so uh,
2: where, where can someone buy the, 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 um, cause and effect Judas Priest turbo?
0: Well, it's a, it's available on, um, Amazon, um, in all three formats, um, in, the the paperback, the Kindle or iPhone or whatever, that, that you would use do with that and the audiobook and the audiobook also just came online with audible dot com and um iTunes and pretty much anywhere else that that you would normally get audiobooks from has it now so
2: and if and, anybody's listening we're gonna have to try to put most of those links in the the show notes so you, you can oops. you you can find it there too um well Chris this has been uh, I've been I've been a bit of a a fan from a distant a distance in a while it was uh good to actually you uh, know kind of just chat with you and kind of kind of have some little bullshit conversations I I thank you for taking it sideways quite a few times that's kind of our <laughs> our thing here at
0: the show Well as you can tell I like to talk <laughs> Yeah nothing wrong with that that's the whole point with podcasting right Exactly, man. Well, dude, you should come on. You should come do classic metal show some night.
2: Are you kidding? Any time. You know, we always joke uh, because we're kind of like uh, uh, the guy that you're not talking to today, Loose Cannon. We yeah. are uh, writers for Decibel Geek as well, and that's kind of how we came together. And that we we joke that like, well, if you're listening to our show, you're probably already a fan of and listener of Decibel Geek. Uh, I gotta think of the same thing with your show. There are probably not that many people listening to our show that haven't already checked you guys out, but. Check out the classic metal show if you haven't because it is really cool man
0: yeah it's fun it's definitely, but be be warned it's dirty <laughs>
2: it's not safe for work, yes uh, no. but no, if you know. you, again, if you listen to our show that's probably okay too. you know we don't have a lot of sensitive uh listeners <laughs> yeah
0: i I always tell people that figure that it's the same the same accessibility as you would have watching like x videos or you porn or something with you <laughs> if, if if you wouldn't watch a porn a porn site with you wouldn't listen to us with them that's yeah. that's kind of the audience <laughs> yeah
2: this is a clear internet history type show
0: oh yeah oh yeah
2: all right well thank you again chris i really appreciate your time uh and wonderful job on the book it was a for thank you. fans of turbo you're, you're gonna dig it yeah uh, and if you hate it my experiences you're gonna like it too
0: cool well i hope people check it out all right any parting shots uh no man just um just uh keep keep doing what you're doing man we need more we need more good podcasts out there instead of all the bullshit that pollutes it